Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. David Lee Scales, you must be a very strong individual because every week for an hour and a half, you carry Chaz on your shoulders through this podcast. He does not prepare for anything. He could not even watch The Ultimate Surfer. You forgot it was on. Why is Chaz on a surf podcast when he has nothing to contribute? For a person who has no real job... What does he do all week long? My God, Chaz. Chaz, Chaz. And we thought Scott Bass didn't prep. Chaz just doesn't care. Chaz, get barreled. gonna dish it out Chaz you gotta be able to take it oh my goodness it's so true it is so true but what I feel I'm trying to do and I am very thankful to David Lee Scales for carrying the show uh I'm trying to be performance art at this point is so utterly worthless so entirely vacuous in my surf life that it becomes performative the best possible surfer the best possible surfer I think is the emptiest surfer if I can empty myself of everything, then I will reach. I, in fact, will become the ultimate surfer. Doesn't the audience get to decide whether or not it's art? I mean, that's what, uh, nope. I'm gonna say that Michelangelo didn't go out and make sculptures and wait for the audience to decide if it was art or not. He knew it was art. Banksy, he's not thinking, "Mm, I'm gonna go doodle something on a wall and maybe hopefully somebody will think it's art. No, they know it's art. They are artists. Just like um, but ultimately those people are hiring Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel, you know? And so I guess even though that listener is complaining, he's still listening. So he is in fact paying you to continue to be lazy. The art, exactly. It's the art of becoming the ultimate surfer. Well, after I read that or uh, listened to that, I saw one of your lines written. I forget which article it was on. Oh, it was about finals day. And your quote in it was, 
it takes one day to win over a mentally lazy and challenged surf journalist. <laughs> it's true. Took one day. It one day me. of surfing and you're just like, I'm back. I'm in. I'm back. I'm totally in. Loved um, it. Speaking of, loved every second of it. A finals day? Yeah. Say more. Uh, are we going to get right into it? Why not? Okay. Uh, as a lazy, mentally lazy and whatever I wrote, can't even remember what I write. That's how, that's mentally how lazy my, and challenged. That's how beautiful my art is coming as I don't remember anything beyond like three minutes. I'm, yeah. I guess not even three minutes. You just said, okay. That okay. Before, ago. before we get into the contest, let's, I want to do a deeper dive on the, on your performance art. Um, <laughs> I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've utilized this strategy too at times you get away with it one week where you freestyle and you vamp because of lack of prep. And it ends up being a good week, whether it's you're writing articles on Beach Grit or maybe contributing to this show. And so then the second week you're pressed, you intend to prep, but you're pressed for time. And then you realize, oh, last week was actually pretty successful. I could just try that again. And then some weeks are hit and miss, but you realize it's just a muscle that you're exercising. And you're like, if I just keep working this muscle, it actually is pretty similar to working the preparation muscle because that takes energy as well that you get good at or you're bad at at times. And so I feel like now you're deep into just that vamping muscle and you're the best at it or you're you know the one who's committed to it the most. And so that's what you're tripling down on. I mean, the, the whole thing is nobody wants to hear me prep, I don't think, right? They want like the funny mistakes, the, um, or the, that's what, and that's what is fun to me about it at this point is just the, the in the minute riff, uh, talking to you, the in the minute riff while writing, like seeing a headline somewhere and just spitting something out. That's the fun part for me now. And a lot of people, I mean, I think when I write books, uh, then that's where I prep. Uh, but in the surf journalism stuff, it is again, how empty of a vessel can I be? So I think you're onto something because I don't, I think we should never take surfing too seriously. I think I mean, that when you, when you take it super seriously and start analyzing, it just, it's obnoxious and it's whiny. And so having just kind of a empty vessel, like you're saying, and letting it flow through you and giving the initial take is actually the most reflective of the act of surfing itself. I mean, that's what, like, it's what started, I mean, forever I was frustrated about people taking surfing seriously. Like, yeah. how can you take this, how can you take this seriously? This is completely ridiculous. I mean, talk about performance art. Like, everyone is partaking in a weird, it's not exercise, it's not a sport. It's, I mean, we've talked about it time and time again on a show. It's a bizarre lifestyle that we're all living. And then yeah. it's so absurd. It's an absurdist uh, theater production. And we're all taking it super seriously, which is very, makes it even more absurd and more funny. I think don't take it seriously at all. Have fun. And it'll actually allow you to take life less seriously as well, which is a good exactly. Exactly. Um, what do you, how do you feel about his asser assertion that um, you don't work and you have nothing to contribute? What do you do all week? This, I sit in Zazen and just let the surf information flow through me, emptying myself, letting it flow. And then also homeschooling and writing books and 
uh, writing curriculum for the homeschool and taking my daughter to be a famous ballerina, taking her on the journey of learning to be a famous ballerina. Has she seen Black Swan? She hasn't yet. That one's super creepy. So I'm waiting uh, just a little longer for that one. I don't want to, I don't want to give her nightmares quite yet. I remember listeners being pissed that you let her watch cuties on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the boundary line? How do you define what's viewable and what is it? I would let her watch Black Swan uh, at this point, probably if she wasn't a ballerina herself. Just, I remember, remember the like, was it ripping off toenails and stuff in that yeah. movie? There was some like profoundly disturbing things about, about the art of ballet in that well, film. There's like major themes of sexuality and like actual sex in the film too. So yeah, that's true. That's true. I forgot about um, that. It's a phenomenal film, but I agree with you. I don't know what the right age is, but it's definitely older than she is. It's not eight. I showed her. Uh, I showed her Swan Lake though. The whole ballet. We've been watching like full length ballets lately. I think I said that. Wow. Last week maybe, and it's epic. Like to actually watch full length ballets is pretty pretty great. There's pretty great ones out there. I've never, watched, I've never seen oh, yeah. sit down to sit down one day instead of like popping something on netflix like find there's good full-length productions on youtube like yeah good yeah from the either the american ballet company or yeah the bolshoi of course paris opera royal ballet there's a bunch of them okay instead of the ultimate surfer this week yes do it um so final your screen went away okay there you yeah. go um finals day you liked it loved it loved every second of it bravo bravo uh, world surf league yeah so the world surf league for listeners i'm sure that they're aware but let's set the topic um unveiled a brand new format first time ever finals day format five men five the top five men and the top five women competing against each other in a elimination style format. Number five surfs against number four. Whoever wins that heat surfs against number three. Whoever wins that goes against number two. And then whoever won that would end up going against number one, which was Gabriel Medina on the men's side, Carissa Moore on the women's side in a best of three matchup. Uh, they had a two week waiting window, waiting period at lowers and they waited until the swell was thankfully eight feet and just pumping throughout the day. So plenty of opportunities for waves to be ridden. No real lulls in the set, in the uh, in any of the heats. Everybody had plenty of opportunity. Um, I fully, fully agree with you. Like we, we talked about the limitations of this or the risks of this format. And they would basically be that Carissa Moore and Gabriel Medina have such a long... Um, lead or such a big lead in terms of points going into this event that it would be a real shame if they just had an off day and a lesser surfer who really didn't have a mathematical chance of winning a world title then beat them in this in this one day format thankfully none of those things happened and so the format the way that it played out on this given day i think the format had a lot of value and was actually excellent I don't think that we necessarily need this format at the end of every year, but I think that there's this highlighted a great way to build tension throughout the day with everybody collectively following the same storyline. And so the lesson can be learned from this format and applied to other events throughout the year. 
here's here i mean so part of the thing i loved about it was the uh guy girl switching off like the heat to heat was fun because like it had a flow that most surf contests don't really it had a narrative flow this surf exactly. contest exactly every single heat was fun to watch which so i mean i could go on and on i can big fat hot juicy beans i loved everything i go on and on about it but i don't know how this doesn't completely highlight how sort of crap the rest of the tour is right like why not do basically one day or two day surf offs 10 surfers on both sides hold on real quick yeah go for it go for it sorry about that no it's all good yeah back so uh, you're saying this highlights how crap the rest of the tour completely like how most of those events are slogs through i mean nothing against connor coffin or morgan but getting them out of the way you know there was it was fun for a minute it was fun i thought when connor beat and connor surfed beautifully uh morgan did not surf very well did you think no but imagine that those guys were the four and five uh and they were in such a different league than philippe uh Edel, i mean Edelo was off too but they were in an entirely different league it was like they were playing a different sport right yeah i thought and on regular tour you have heaps of guys below that that are not even half as interesting to watch as either morgan or, or connor so like it's just time like that's what this finals day format proved to me was it is finally time to cut the fat uh throw in these head-to-head elimination heats uh up until the end the best of three worked beautifully i think but then invite more exciting surfers on like I would love to see a one-to-one man-on-man with, again, I'll keep bringing them up for some reason, but Noah Dean versus, you know, a Philippe in a wave of consequence, right? How fun would that be to actually, Philippe, you got to go now. You can't drop anchor and sit. You actually have to commit to something. I mean, you could do this format any wave around the world and it would be very, very fun, I think. Yeah, so the takeaways from this event are fewer surfers is so you talked about the disparity between four and five versus the top three we've talked about they need to whittle the tour down from 32 to 15 or whatever the disparity between 32 and one is so vast that they don't deserve to be on the same tour it's a complete waste and so this validated that but on a more micro level it validated what you just said is that there's a huge disparity between five and one. And I think that's unique. I think that's, that is unique to this moment in time where Gabriel Medina is that dominant. There's not always a champ that's that dominant. I would argue Carissa Moore is almost that dominant over everybody else. Um, I mean, Carissa Moore looked like watching Carissa's turns versus again, you know, Tati Weston Webb is a fantastic surfer, but watching her flow and turns versus Carissa's, I mean, I thought Carissa could have beat Morgan Siblick too. Yeah. Well, so Carissa versus Tati, let's do that real quick. Um, Tati has a lot of holes in her game still. She has a lot of strengths, but she still has a lot of holes in her game. And she actually won the first heat of the final series against Carissa, the best out of three. And that was a moment where you also realize the flaws of the 30 minute heat format that we've been running all along. And we find ourselves in situations where 
you know, Morgan Siblick beats John John Florence in Australia this year. And we're going, how does that even happen? It happens because the system is actually flawed. You yeah. know, it, it should the never. Arbitrary 30 minute heat is yeah. totally like the fact that we consider that or 35 minutes or whatever it is, the fact that that is just law, that is the rule of the land, that that's how long surf heats are. Why? Well, because we had to create, um, look, it's such a nebulous kind of unstructured or subjective thing anyways. We had to create a structure at some point that allows us to run an event in a timely fashion that's fiscally kind of viable. And so these rules happened along the way and they've only been slightly tweaked and adjusted. You know, we've talked about the need for a radical rethinking of everything, the way that Red Bull can do the Cape Fear event or whatever. And so the WSL, I think, did that with this finals day format. They radically rethought it. And um, and so now we're kind of analyzing the strengths and the weaknesses. But the fact that Tati beat Carissa in that moment was not reflective of who's the better surfer. It was reflective of whatever, you know. Sure. But so then then doing the three heats allowed enough kind of uh a sample time. size big enough. I yeah, mean it was a, a sample, sample size big size. enough. Exactly. For the for kind of the reality to shake out and Carissa did what she needed to do. Um so I think that was a huge strength. But the distance between her and Tati in reality was not reflected in the score line. You know, like Carissa is a doubly better surfer than Tati as far as I'm concerned. I mean my goodness like and purely based on the sort of I mean I guess the undefinable the style element like watching carissa go up and do those arcs and of course tati was on her backside so it was a bit different most of the time uh but still like carissa's flow through those turns was so beautiful like on those when she got the big walls just running and would go those arcing turns were just phenomenally gorgeous to look at and and tati looked like she was like struggling through it like trying to go bash the lip or something Tati's got a couple of hitches in her get up, you know, like it'll be like, um, it's not nearly as much flow as Carissa. It'll be like a crank off the bottom straight into the top and then like a crank off the top and then straight back down and a crank. And it also, she has bobbles in between, like she'll go vert. And actually the one thing that she brought to Carissa was she was attacking the lip yeah. and attacking yeah. the wave where Carissa, the flows that the turns that you're talking about weren't necessarily vert and high risk through the lip and drifting. It was always very controlled and like a lean back into the open face, which she's great at and it gets her big scores, but Carissa was actually attacking, but what ends up happening, I'm sorry, Tati was attacking, but what ends up happening for Tati is that she bobbles. She goes yeah. vert and it throws a lot of risk, but then comes out of it almost falling and has to recover. And then when she's recovering, tries to reset a rail and that like projects her hard up into the next section. So she's kind of always off balance and phenomenal surfer. She's attacking and that's all great. And it looks risky, but she can clean all of that stuff up and she'll be a lot closer to Carissa's kind of level of surfing, or to be honest, Stephanie's level of surfing and even Sally's level of surfing and yeah. some of these other girls that are in that range. Um, what I was really shocked by, you kind of referenced it with Morgan was that those bottom three surfers on both sides really didn't bring their a game or their championship no. level game they showed up and were tentative and like waiting to maybe post a couple of sixes and then maybe they would try something better and i'm just thinking to myself this is your 
per, perhaps for Morgan, for Joanne DeFay, this is your Connor Coffin, your one chance at a world title. And not for a season, but in one day. You can get this done in one day. You better freaking show up and give your best surfing. And Lowers is pumping. Like yep. you have, you're going to get 10 opportunities out there to get your two tens. You better not go for a six. Go for the two tens. And the fact that they didn't, like that first heat with Joanne DeFay and Stephanie Gilmore was horrendous. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was a, a full-on shocker. A full-on shocker. And I was also, shocker. to be frank, shocked by Philippe Toledo. I know that he, I guess, could be charitably said, upset uh, Idolo, beat number two. But his demolishment at by the hands of Gabriel Medina was, I thought, uh, he, he just blew it. Like, was it the first of their three best or their first of their two heats? Uh where he let that wave go a wave that ran off down the line had total scoring potential on it and let it go. Even though he had priority, it was the last wave. Uh, it was like time ticking down. There was nothing else. Like, what was he thinking? Why would you do that? Was that the one where Mick and Kelly were both like yeah. a minute later, they go, Hey, that thing's still running. Hey, still you can get three yeah. more turns on that thing. Yeah, totally. Totally. What was he thinking? I don't know, but I think that it really highlights the difference between the world champs, like the steely mindset of a world champ versus everybody else. Because even before that, he fell on a couple of waves that he was going to post an eight point ride on, you know, he, yeah. he's like first two turns are just incredible. And then the third turn fall or the one that he really needed after Gabriel did the Flintstone flip he blitzed and then failed on a small air reverse and it became a seven, five instead of a nine, five. And so those are mistakes that he needs to clean up for sure. And yeah. I think it has to do with mindset more than it has to do with actual fatigue. It's a huge scuffle just weighing on him. Exactly. <laughs> with hot young sponsor junior in the bushes, just shaking his fist. Exactly. Um, and I mean, I guess we could talk about scoring a little bit there too. It's a, it's, I think a mistake of the judging that they would deduct points for Gabe for Felipe not landing that air reverse. Um, Mick and Kelly were both in the booth on that right. The Felipe got, I don't know if you remember it, but he absolutely blitzed three turns. And you would think if that way flattened out and he kicked out at that point, that would be a nine point ride, you know, yeah. but it, but it didn't, the end section was coming at him. And so then he goes into an air reverse and falls on the air reverse and it becomes a seven, five. So it's kind of like, how is it possible that you garner nine points already in the bank, fall, and then all of a sudden the judges go, oh, we're going to deduct a couple, a point and a half out of the nine because of that. I got to say, I sort of like it. I sort of like that you you can surf a wave incredibly, but you got to finish it, right? Like, I like the tension at the end for you have to stamp, put a stamp on it, uh, and he didn't. And he should have like he should Philippe Toledo should not be falling on error versus at lowers. Yeah. It's shocking that he did. I just think the difference would have been, it goes from a nine to a nine five if he stomps that little air reverse. But, but yeah. I just think that I think that finishing the wave should be weighted heavily and it is in the current judging or the way they were judging it. The problem with that is that it encourages him to just tap the lip to quote, finish the wave and solidify the score. I mean, I hear you there. Like the if he would have if he would have just surfed it easy, uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe it should have maybe it should have been uh, mid eight, 
and then with the with the stomp finish a mid nine or a low nine. So, so we've I've complained about the WSL creating regressive formats where it does not um, it's not progressing surfing by running in the wave pool by running in beach breaks. It's actually not requiring the best out of Gabriel. It's not certainly not requiring the best out of um, Jack Robinson. You know, we should be running in waves of consequence, blah, 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 blah. And the long format, you know, having two or two days of surfing where we only eliminate four of the bottom tier surfers oh is a complete yeah. waste of time. But I think that this uh, identified all of that and kind of exemplified all of that in a very, very quick way. And so that first heat was Stephanie Gilmore showing up and not even getting a 10 point heat total, I think holds the mirror to Stephanie's face and says, if you don't absolutely get in the gym tomorrow, hire a personal trainer, hire a uh, psych sports psychologist, then you actually don't deserve to continue to try to compete with the Carissas of the world and the people who are doing that because you should have been so prepped and ready to go on this day. And if you're not, and by the way, I love Steph, so I hate to even be like calling her out like this, but the reality is we're in a different world now. And if you're, and if you're gonna compete with the top players, it's no longer like the format that the WSL has allowed for so long where you can just be, naturally talented and make enough heats because honestly nobody's getting a 14 very few people are getting a 14 point heat total and your natural talent will allow you to make enough mistakes that you don't actually lose based on those mistakes and then when your talent kicks in you can actually make it to the quarterfinals over and over and over again and be in the top five that all needs to go away stephanie needs to look in that mirror and be like my talent is amazing now I need to actually do these other things that all of these other elite athletes are doing in order to get to the next level. And I think that's what I saw from her in that first heat. There was no excuse for her to not get a 10 point heat total on finals day at pumping lowers. I mean, especially those waves and the way she surfs, like totally. uh, that was, that was giving back to art metaphors that was giving, you know, a fantastic phenomenal are like the best paint the best brushes the best canvas and having them turn in some yeah middling grade school thing which you can only attribute to mental feebleness you know yeah i i, I don't know how she didn't i mean a carissa v steph final would have been phenomenal out there steph should have been in the final no question she yeah. and by the way joanne defay no offense to her she shouldn't have been there that day like yeah. her surfing, her surfing was nowhere near on the level of any of the other girls. And so for Steph to lose to her was a, was a, you know, tragedy, but Steph could have easily smoked Tati and Sally as well. Um, back on the men's side though, I really felt like Connor Coffin was the opposite of that. I feel like Connor Coffin leveled up and actually outperformed his own abilities That's that true. was the that was the best surfing that connor's ever done and so bravo to him build on this a fifth or a fourth place finish actually is um a huge result for him this year that's already a win and so learn from that now build on that for the next season because you know you you've proved that you're mentally steely enough to be there I mean, uh, Connor was one Philippe Toledo heir away from taking him out 
Philippe had to get that wave. How many, how many minutes were left? It was like a minute 30 or something, right? I'm not sure. I forget. It was, I mean, it was very near the end of the heat and Philippe of course stomped a big one and took Connor out, but Connor had Philippe on the ropes, the, that entire heat as well. Yeah. Like yeah. the, the level. And when I said at the start, the level or the difference between the top guys and, you know, Connor and Morgan is huge. I think it still is. I think the difference between Gabriel Medina and Connor Coffin is massive. Uh, but Connor did surf have have a phenomenal surf that day. Agreed. Yeah, the difference is massive, but there's room for us. There's excitement and um, entertainment for you and I watching the number fifth surfer in the world as well. You know, like Connor's bringing Connor's bringing tons of entertainment. We just don't need to see number thirty two in the world. You know, yeah, like Connor, exactly. Connor's earned his spot. Um. Uh, let me see what. Oh, what do you feel about? Idolo. Idolo, I think Idolo didn't seem like he was in the game, like, which I don't know if it has to do with his, it seems like Idolo's relationship status has changed. No, it has it. I, it seems like his, you're talking about like personal relationship. Yeah. It seems like his girlfriend has disappeared. Right. Who is his girl? I didn't even know he had a girlfriend. Remember when he won, it was like, he had some super babe girl that was always with him. Uh, when he won his last title, she was there and, she was like always there. And now you don't see her anymore, at least not on Insta. So I'm wondering if Elo's, if his like things in his personal life are different where he doesn't quite have the, the same magic that he had for those couple years where he was like unbeatable kind of, or felt unbeatable, right? Like what, like just smashing Gabe. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, Gabe handily, I mean, sorry, Philippe handily smashed him. Yeah. So I didn't think about the personal angle, um, which is probably worth analyzing, but I did think about the difference between Gabriel Medina's uh, steely minded, you know, uh, world title mindset versus Idolo and Idolo just didn't bring that, you know, it's like Idolo has all the talent in the world. And again, he showed up on finals day and got a pair of sixes or a five and a six or whatever it was, which there's no excuse for. And going into the event, I thought that he actually was the steel robot. Like I thought you see the way that guy has been hitting the gym, all the cross training, all of the free surfing, all that stuff. I guess the one thing that we didn't see from him was showing up at lowers two and three weeks early. He was the one guy missing from all of those. So maybe he just lost focus. And also we've talked on the show about, you know, does having your significant other uh, or being married or being in a long-term relationship help or hinder and i think we've talked about how it hinders a surfer right like where your mind has to be focused on another person and you know like the greats like kelly slater get to be great by pure selfish ambition uh but look who's in a little loving relationship now that made his whole year gabriel medina yeah i mean maybe it's, maybe that's allowed him to maybe not being completely selfishly ambition ambitious gives you a little extra gear going and winning it for the wife i think he needed the selfish selfish ambition to win those first two and we fully know knew who that was and he needed to knew what to expect of that gabriel but he needed to find another gear and so he has definitely found that other gear he was fully comfortable and self-aware and actualized in that selfish person that he was and he outgrew it 
and he realized it was time to be a different person or I need different things in my life. I need different levels of fulfillment. And so he shifted into that gear and I feel like he's fully actualized and self-aware in this new life. And so being your, your kind of authentic self is where you want to be, wherever that is, you know? Do you think that anyone after his performance this year and his performance in the finals, is there anyone on tour that's going to challenge Medina for the next couple of years? I think John John still can. Um, you think so? And, I think John John's yeah. finished. I think John John is done. You heard it here first. I think his professional surf career is over. Uh, do you think it's because his body won't allow him to compete at that level or his mindset? I think both. I think he doesn't. He's won his, how many did he win? Two? Two. Uh, he won his two titles. He proved himself to be the best surfer in the world. He beat the best. And now he's older. He has different interests. Uh, I think he really loves to surf, but his, I think when he's out there surfing, he only can go hundred percent. I don't think John, John safety surfs uh, very often or well. And so he has to just go hug stuff into the flats. Right. And, you know, with his busted knee, that's, you know, he's one more knee surgery away from probably truly not competing again. I think there's room for John, John still, I think, especially as the tour evolves into waves of consequence. Once we have G land on tour, once we have sunset back on tour um, with cloud break comes back, obviously Chopu pipeline. I think those are all venues that John, John can, I mean, Gabriel's amazing at all those spots, maybe other than sunset, but I think John, John actually has an edge. Yeah. I mean, I think John, John at the, like if there was a back to the dream tour, if it was only dreamy waves, then where John John just has to pull in and get barreled. But I don't see how John John uh, beats Gabe over over a, a tour. I I still do. I mean, I there's something about Gabriel's surfing that is robotic, you know, and he's unbelievably talented. I can't take anything away from him. But a friend of mine was saying that it's like he's like Ivan Drago in Rocky, where he is this machine and had a physical specimen, no flaws mentally. The, the one catch with any of that stuff in something that is subjective and artistic like surfing is that there's a little bit of a lack of personal flair and charisma and personality. And John John has those things in, spade, in spades, plus the natural ability and talent. So John John's one catch is the mental um the mental game and if he can figure out that to the degree that gabriel does i think he's a real threat i mean i totally agree that and i think the analogy is apt uh and i would love to see like the world surf league should love to see this too right this will be the big if john john can get healthy and actually does want to do it again uh john john versus gabe is the sort of andy kelly rivalry that surfing has been missing like two guys who have are distinctly different and of yeah. course there's no i don't think any animosity between john and gabriel but represent two different styles of surfing two different styles of living really yeah uh, and them going at each other all year would be fun for the surf fan but the, the stupid wsl though i mean they're gonna go they're gonna how much how much back padding do you think there was going on in santa monica after that day they fully they deserve they, yeah, they, they deserved they, it. They knew they ruled. They knew they pulled it off. I'm sure there was much huzzahing and toasting. How did you feel real quick about the announcing? 
Uh, you mean the commentary or the after? Commentary. Yeah. No, yeah, the commentary throughout. I thought it, well, I specifically loved Kelly and Mick in the booth. Yeah. I mean, Kelly and Mick in the booth, sort of, to me, no offense, nothing against Cote or the rest of them, but showed that those guys are not only unnecessary, they're like, they were just annoying. Like every, especially when it was Mick and Kelly, anybody else talking completely annoyed me. Sal, annoying. Cote, annoying. Terpel, unnecessary. Like they were all just wasting space. Any, you could pull anyone off the cobbled stone there who could talk surfing like those guys and just have them say one thing, have them say, you know, whatever, Connor Coffin up and riding. And the judges give it a 6.7. That's all you need that guy to say when you have a Kelly and Mick in the booth. Yeah, but it's a rarity. We can't afford to, I mean, Kelly and Mick have way bigger things to do and more important things to do. So it's a rarity but, to get somebody of that stature and many world titles to kind of comment on this. I think you could get, I think you could find a well-spoken ex-professional surfer every single event. You like could, you just but not to that level. They're, those guys are unique. I mean, they, they really, they really, I guess so. I guess so. Even Bravo. Lisa and even Lisa Anderson, who has the world titles and the experience, she's not that gifted in terms of uh, the gift of gab. You know what I mean? And the, the ability to recall and the ability to riff with these guys. So I think Kelly and Mick are unique in that way. They're talented yeah. commentators as well as world champs. But um, what I did love about it, you touched on this as well, was we're all following the same narrative. So normally during an event where there's 18 competitors at the start of the day, I care about certain people, you care about other people, the commentators care about other, and there's just too many storylines to track and I can't actually invest in all of them. With this, there was very few storylines and Kelly and Mick were tracking the same ones that you and I were, you know? And so to have those guys representing our thoughts and following our narrative as it gets to this pointy end, I think was where the magic was. It's like, we're all focusing on this coming to the pointy end of the spear and it, it, there was just fewer storylines. We're all in it together. It was this collective thing with very few surfers that that was the highlight of it. I thought, again, I don't know how, if you're the world surf league, you don't look at this and say, okay, we've now restructured the end of the tour. Let's take a hatchet to the rest of the tour. I don't know how you don't do that. I don't know how you don't, you run the stinking QS like the, tour of old right like have that be in a bunch of different places and 32 surfers on that thing and just however you want to do that fine 100 put a thousand surfers in the qs in one event i don't care i'm not going to watch it uh just give me this over and over give me this five times a year yeah well um we were questioning who could beat gabe and what we've seen often with this level of sport and athlete is that Gabe might be the ultimate undoing of Gabe. Um, how do you live at that level of intensity and accolade and fanfare and all that without hitting a strip club and doing blow? I mean, that's the thing though, is that, like, not that he, I don't know if he did that pre marriage, but it seems like he's married to her, right? They're not just yeah. dating. Yeah. They got married. Uh, like, it seems like he has set himself up now for a track of on a track of 
knocking off world titles. I'm going to give him seven by the time this is done. Four more. He's going to reel off five in a row. Well, Kelly said he's shocked. I think it was Kelly. Yeah, it was Kelly asking Mick. He's like, he's shocked that Gabriel hasn't gotten more than two at this point and now three. But I mean, I think his first year on tour was 2014. Yeah, it's true. No, it's true that Gabriel has not won more titles. Yeah. Like, because yeah. when, when Gabriel's on, he truly looks unbeatable, right? And he's yeah. on a lot more than he's off. Like, every time he goes into the air, you know he's going to land it. It's Anytime he, like, yeah, rarely do you think, oh, he blew it. Like, rarely. Philippe, I thought he blew it multiple times that one day. For sure. Yeah, Philippe has a lot of holes to – I mean, he's an amazing surfer, but it's undeniable – he has holes in his game compared to Gabe and, and Idolo really, I mean, he's the one that I was kind of most shocked by. I did not expect such a lackluster performance from Idolo. Idolo just seemed, he seemed super scattered. He didn't seem like his head was in that game at all. Yeah. Um, I'm still going to hold out about Gabriel maybe um, being his ultimate well, enemy at some point. The other thing is you're right. Like, yeah, having that loving wife companion cheering you on from the sideline is part of his success this year. But I also wonder how long the wife can um, play second fiddle. I think, you know, she was a successful, what was she a supermodel? Yeah. I think a, a model, model. a yeah. model. So she had her own career, her own ambitions, all that sort of stuff. So to sideline that, you know, how long can she sideline that? How long can she be on the road with them? All of that stuff. Relationships are hard, period. Traveling around the world is hard. Traveling with other people is hard. So there's just a lot of kind of variable that it would be hard to sustain for four and five years at the same kind of level that they're doing it. Sure is. But if there's, if they can find a way I mean, that's, that's going to be his secret sauce right there. If that thing goes off the rails, then he will not win, win again. I think that losing yeah. Charlie and, I mean, how pissed do you think Charlie is and the family is? Do you think they're like, oh, man, we were shown to be basically the lead weight around, around Gabriel's ankles for these years of not winning? I mean, because that's, you could arguably say, place blame on them. The reason he hasn't won more is because his family, because of Charlie and those guys. You could. I, I don't know enough about that story to not none of us do know the inner workings of that to really comment on it. But I was almost waiting for him in his post heat interview and celebration. I think it was with Strider in the water still. He was thanking various people. I was almost waiting for him to thank Charlie because the media and ourselves included have made a lot about that break and that split. And I kind of wanted Gabriel to comment on it and to say like, cause I think he did even say I've made some big changes in my life and thanks to my wife and that sort of stuff, which were all necessary, but I wanted him to then follow up with, but I'm forever grateful for, you know, the foundation that was built for me and with me. I think it's, I think they're really pissed. I think there's yeah, like the Brazilian, maybe. Brazilian media reported, you know, all kinds of other stuff like that, we had some of it on beach but I don't think it is. I don't think it is a happy time between those camps. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, well, you're talking about, we're talking about the uh, benefits of this format. I think we should go to a listener line call that explains a 
addition to the format, kind of an adjustment to the format that could become the Beach Grit World Tour? Let's listen. Do you want to, this is a listener line call from the 2001 world champion, CJ Hobgood. Mr. Scales, Mr. Smith, longtime listener, subscriber, but I still only listen to the ad versions. And I'm no expert, but damn, that would make a good shirt or sticker. But really, you guys have been alluding, teasing this for a long time, so let's get to it. What do you get when you take Ultimate Surfer, WSL Finals, and Jake Paul's YouTube boxing model? You mix it in a bowl, bake it in the oven on 425 for an hour, and I give you Jamie O'Brien and Ben Gravy. Think Jake Paul. They first will surf against Ben Askren, think UFC. Who would that be as a surfer? Maybe Yaden Nickel or Dion Ages for J-O-B? Maybe Hank Gaskell for Mr. Gravy? And who are other surfers that are liking to have Ben Askren? But where will they surf? And who's with Floyd May- Mayweather or Tyrone Woodley? And will these YouTubers, Gravy and Mr. J-O-B, even get out of the first round? And can they draw the numbers they garner? Maybe for the grand finale, J-O-B versus Dane Reynolds. Ben Gravy versus Noah Dean. Who's on the women's side? Is it Waco or Western Australia? Can we find the model to get these kids paid? And this is the Beach Grid Tour you guys have been alluding to all this time. Please discuss. Peace. How about you, you that? Know, you know my favorite C.J. Hobgood is the Matthew McConaughey C.J. Hobgood. <laughs> He's got such Matthew McConaughey in his delivery. It is so beautiful. Put in the all oven, right, baby. all right. Twenty-five. Yeah. It's a, so I love Siege, but he's totally right. This is beautiful. I mean, we have been alluding to this, and it's you know sometimes we need somebody else to coalesce all the various ideas we've talked about. You know, like various things one week and then another week, and then he just stitched them all together. It's so true, and maybe it's time for me to get out out of Zazen and not be lazy anymore, and actually make this happen. So, Pick the up idea, the phone and Paul, I, Jamie O'Brien, and Ben Gravy first. Well, you guys sit down with Derek and put together a business model because this does need to happen, and the fact that we're discussing it publicly means that the WSL or Stab Magazine or somebody might jump on the idea as they have with a lot of other of our past ideas. So you guys need to sit down today, put together the business model. And the concept that CJ is pitching is YouTubers versus pro surfers in kind of an exhibition format. I think he agreed. We all actually sent this message before finals day ran, but the finals day format has value. So an elimination format type thing, and you pick, YouTubers versus pro surfers. So he offered, you know, on one tier, kind of the A-list tier, Jamie O'Brien, who is a world-class surfer against, he said, Yaden Nickel, another world-class surfer. I would actually throw that out and say, let's just take Felipe Toledo, like Jamie O'Brien versus CT level surfers, Felipe Toledo. And maybe it's a... Who can we get though? The problem is we're not going to be able to get Philippe because he's bound by contract to the World Surf League, I would imagine. And they would find some way to disallow him to surf in something like this, a competing-esque tour. I mean, we could make it not competing, I suppose. Exactly. It's, just, it's a one-day exhibition. 
pick apart the contract. Let's look at that contract. What does the WSL actually exclude? And then we'll do something slightly different than that so that he can compete in this. And at this point too, I would have Yaden uh, on the YouTuber side, right? right? Yaden is a YouTuber himself. So put Yaden against somebody, a, a CT pro. Right. And like, so, so that's the A-list guys that CJ is talking about, but then there's B-list because Ben Gravy He's not a world-class surfer, but he deserves to compete in this because of his YouTube following and the, you sure. know, what he's built. So then CJ offered Hank Gaskell. And it's yeah. like, I think, I think Hank would smoke uh, Ben almost anywhere in the world, maybe other than tanker waves or, or maybe even Jersey. <laughs> um, but there are, there are guys, you know, and who would you, who would you want to see go against Ben? What about, I mean, what if you threw Ben against a full old man, like Ben against Mark Acalupo? Aki would smash him, I would think. Aki today, though, I mean, Aki's old. Yeah, no. If, he's, if you watch, if you watch footage of Aki at like uh, Snapper and stuff, currently, Kira, he's amazing. How funny would it be to keep going up in age until you find <laughs> a pro surfer old enough that Ben Baby, Ben Gravy can beat him? Like Ian Cairns on a paddleboard. Ben can finally take down a eighty-year-old Ian. <laughs> I mean, um, what? What would be, just think the betting line there too. You could start, I mean, Ben Gravy versus the world. This is pretty good too. Ben, ben Gravy where, versus the world. Where you, where you start Ben surfing against a guy his age, right? A pro, smash. Then go up 10 years, probably smashed. Up 10 years more. So now we're 30 years older. I mean, or we could go up in increments of five. That would be pretty fun. And find a pro that... Age has undone him so much that he can know. I mean, Tom Kern could smash Ben Gravy, yeah, for for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, El Gary Elkerton, Glenn yeah, Whitten could. would smash him. I I got one, Martin Potter. <laughs> would you think Potts could smash him? Or do you think ben Gravy and Potts would be a neck and neck? I think it might be a close heat. I haven't seen Potter surf a lot recently, but like when he surfed that Heritage heat against uh, Brad Gerlach, Potts was very off his game uh ger versus ger versus gravy would be fun too ger would smash him though you know it's yeah. like not it's not really equal <laughs> but that would be part of the fun is watching ben gravy get smashed over and over again by older and older men this that is i mean this is a phenomenal uh, cj's argument i think was more about um yeah cj's is a diff different thing but this is amazing too yeah, <laughs> and it's actually more in line with ben gravy's brand no, just go on. I mean, because he could have fun getting, I mean, he would really have to try his hardest, right? Like, what, okay, Ben Graver is the world. It would be changing locations too, right? Being course, a snapper. Yeah. It's be a, a world trestle. tour. Yeah. <laughs> it's a world tour. And the the trophy at the end of the year is a golden pineapple with sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm really, He's going to really... He, he's going to um, regret all of these years he's put in on soft tops like that yeah. has hindered his progression. And once he comes up against uh, Stuart Bedford Brown, he's going to be so <laughs> bummed. What, okay. Who, what is the, what is the age, which surfer and which age are you going to say Ben is Ben Gravy's peak win? His peak win. Like when yeah, he, because actually... that's the, he, he hmm. where, where he gets, his win, right? Because of course he could beat Ian Cairns at this point. Let's just be honest. He could beat, uh, you know, I don't PT. know. Any, yeah, 
you think PT would be the peak win or you think he, do you think he could beat PT? I think he could beat PT. Um, so there's got to be somebody who's a little bit more agile still, who's in their early 60s. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe Sean Thompson. You think he can beat Sean Thompson? It'd be a close heat. How, how hyped, hyped would Ben Gravy be to beat Sean Thompson too? That would be the ultimate heat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> ben Gravy, Sean Thompson at Which Rincon. way? Rincon. Wow. That would be awesome. The best part about this is you won't even need to... Uh, license because it's you wouldn't need to uh whatever permit the thing like you just have them out there with the crowd yeah. like you could have even fans blocking you know like your ben gravy fans and your sean thompson fans blocking waves for for both of them right yeah this is like this is an incredible concept if we if we built through the season and we pinpoint each location to kind of cater to the surfer but Ben Gravy going to snapper and competing against Aki and getting smashed. Like Ben Gravy advances no matter whether he wins or loses. Of course. Of course. The ultimate finale is going to be him and Sean Thompson at Rickon. That's <laughs> what we want. It's, it is scripted. You can script this. But like watching him get smashed by Aki at, um, at snapper, you know, that's, <laughs> and then, and then going to Bells and surfing against Gerlach at Bells and getting smashed again. And then Where wherever else. I mean, yeah, you would think Rencon for that one, but I've already given it to maybe Mexico. John Thompson. Maybe yeah, there you go. Yeah. We'll send him down to Mexico and he surfs against yeah. Curran. Curran's riding a skimboard, wearing yeah. socks on his ears. <laughs> Covered in sunblock. You know. Yeah. It's really good. It's really a great concept. Thanks, CJ, for, I mean, CJ's is a separate concept. We're doing CJ's also. This is a, this is a, Ben Gravy Where's the World is a spinoff. Yeah, uh, it's gold though. And so when you're putting this business plan together with Derek, ultimately, I think it needs to be funded by advertisers. And I think part of the pitch is Ben Gravy streams this live on his YouTube channel. So I don't know how many, I don't know how many uh, viewers he has on there, but it's a big audience. And so they're getting all of that. Then I think we package it somehow after the fact and the advertisers get more play on that package. So yeah, on it. I'm, I'm getting on it. I'm out of Zazen. And I think that the sales pitch to Ben is look, we're not going to have a lot of money to give you. Like, we're not going to be able to get a ton of money out of these sponsors. It's more going to be to fund the production, but you are going to get tons of content and uh, airplay out of this. And the pitch to Mark Ocalupo and Gerlach and Potts and all those guys is here's another boost to your profile and your career. You're going to get full access to Ben Gravy's audience. Yep. That's pretty great. It's, I, it's a winners all around. So Even CJ... Does Can't CJ get to losing. surf? Does CJ get oh, to yeah. surf against Ben? CJ sure does in Florida. I think actually this is where we wait for fall in New Jersey when it's pumping and it's hollow, and this is Ben Gravy's home field advantage, but it's really CJ's advantage for getting barrel. Oh man, was, I can't wait for the siege sheet. Yeah, you got to help me make the uh, heat list. Okay. I mean the the uh, yeah. How long do they get? Do they get two hours? Full what's, day. A, what's, a, what's a good sample size? A full day. Full day. Why not? They can go in and out of the water as much as they want. Snack on the beach. Yeah. We're going to give you yeah. from sunup to sundown. Do what you got to do. We'll have filmers and uh, craft services. Great. Perfect. Love it.
in. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Um, and that'll also encourage fans like fans come on down and watch this thing, you know? Sure. Um, so the actual CJ model, the ultimate matchup, uh, here's people that I think could get in on this in terms of pro surfers, Clay Marzo would yep. be phenomenal to go up against some of the, like a Maui. Jamie O'Brien or something. Uh, Eric Geiselman is still at the top of his game. So Albie Layer, that whole yep. crew is still at the top Matt of their Maola. game. I think an unbelievable matchup would be Nathan Florence versus Felipe Toledo. Ooh, where? So Nathan Florence being the YouTube sensation versus the CT sensation. If you put it in barreling waves, there's a clear advantage to Nathan Florence. I don't think it needs to be a Chopu maxed out because the advantage is so distinct, but somewhere <laughs> on the North Shore. Oh, yeah. North Shore would be, I mean, even Pipeline would be super fun. That would advantage Nathan as well. But what about Big Holly Eva? Oh, yeah. That'd be pretty good. Big Holly Eva would be a good one. That'd be a really, Holly Eva's a rippable wave. So Felipe gets the advantage. But it's a big, meaty, powerful wave. So that advantages Nathan slightly. What about G-Land? I'd have to give that to Nathan, I would think. You think any barrel Nathan gets? I mean, how big of it is a bummer for Philippe Plito? This would be the fun of this whole series, too. How big a bummer for Philippe Plito? Number three or two, I guess, in the world. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. You put him against a YouTuber in any barreling wave, and <laughs> chances are he could he could lose. <laughs> Unless well, this game. is this is why it's a great opportunity for Felipe to prove us all wrong. I mean, we've been talking a lot of crap, but Felipe can't prove us wrong because it's true. That's the problem. We tried to do it with Beach Grip. We had a production to get him properly barreled, and we got halfway through it, and he just wouldn't do it. Are you he, serious? He, you didn't know about this? I remember the air thing that you guys did with him, but I don't remember the barrel. Yeah. Thing. Yes. We had a whole thing that he had signed on to, to get him a proper barrel at Chopu. Uh, and he went, he got like a small one and got rolled off the reef. Remember that? Yeah. That was, that was a four beach grit. Uh, and his oh, filmer just released it. Yeah. His filmer released it and kind of screwed us. And it wasn't even that big a wave. And then he like, literally that it was over. It was done. He wouldn't go get a big barrel. And the waves were there. There was pumping. Yeah. Well, I mean, we huh. have we have interview of him sitting, talking about how he's not afraid. Like Derek did a long interview with right. him, like about how he's not afraid. And, you know, this whole thing has been built up and he'll huck himself, but he still never did. So I don't know what to say about it. I totally forgot about that. I don't know how I forgot about that, but yeah, I do. Um, well, it's changed. I mean, years have gone by since that. And so this would be an opportunity for him to prove everybody wrong without the constraints of the WSL's format and all that. Um, so that there's an incentive for him to participate. Yeah. But I don't think he, I honestly don't think he likes big ways. I think, yeah. you know, he didn't do the thing that whatever Kelly did or Gabriel did or whoever goes and conquers that, you know, I think, which it could be endearing if Philippe would admit it, if Philippe would say, hey, look, it, I'm going out there as kind of an everyman who doesn't have that uh, push through thing that, you know, world greats have had. I'm going to go win without pushing through my fear. I'm going to go win staying in my comfort zone, more or less, yeah. which would be, yeah. I think that would be kind of endearing because I'm not about to go paddle Max and Chopu. Sure, I know. 
scream at any one of those guys to do it. But clearly, and if Philippe said, hey, man, I'm like you. I don't want to do it either. I'll do enough, but I'm going to win. I would like Philippe Toledo. Him saying, I'm not afraid. Don't stop saying I'm afraid. And then acting afraid is lame and annoying. Yeah. Um, while, while we were talking, I was wondering, you said he's, he's the number three surfer in the world. Oh, no, he's the number two. And I had the thought, do they, did they assign points to finals day and then add those to the cumulative total from the season to deem the actual rankings? Or are they just saying now, you know, Felipe is number two because he finished second. Great question. Do you have the WSL.com in front of you? I pulled it up and it's very vague. It shows the rankings, but only with the point accumulations through the seventh event, which was Mexico. And then above that, up in the header of the page, it shows the results of the WSL finals. So Gabriel first, Felipe second, but it doesn't show any points associated with those. And it doesn't show a ranking with those factored in. This is a question for Dave Prodan. I'm going to get to the bottom. I'm going to, wow, today is a day of action, of not being lazy. I'm going to text Dave Prodan and ask him what the deal is, because for sure there is, it's one or the other. It's either, How did they not, I mean, first of all, they never stated this in advance. I never even thought to ask it, but how is it not already listed? How do we not have like the top rankings of, this is weird. It, it's they weird. think of this? I'm going to ask if we're going to get to the bottom of this. So what's going to happen? Good. Thank you. Um, I have, there's two big blood feuds that happen this weekend surfing, but I'm wondering if we need to save them until next week. Are we running low on time? Uh, I have probably probably 20 more minutes. Let's, let's save them then because there's a couple of other news stories that are more relevant to what we're talking about. Okay. Um, Number one is the New York times article. Uh, that Gabriel Medina bites the hand that feeds him. Can you explain what happened here? Uh, the World Surf League, Eric Logan and the rest of the brass, I'm sure Jesse Miley Cyrus was there, summoned the top 10 surfers in the world, uh, all five on the boys' side and on the girls' side to the San Clemente Pier to kind of press junket this new finals day format, right? So the New York Times there, I'm sure other reporters were there as well. Um, not me. It's funny. I got, I got invited by Ikea to go, uh, to by who? Ikea to go like, okay. dear Chaz Smith, we would love to have you down at lower trestles for finals day. You know, we'll give you your press pass and blah, 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 blah. And I responded, I would love to be there. Yes, please send it. And then I think they realized or did research or asked a question or tried to run it by the WSL. And I was not invited back. That line went dark. <sighs> So, what, what was Ikea's involvement? Ikea and the WSL has some partnership with the WSL to do, uh, I don't know, they're doing, Ikea had like a tent down there, I think, at Lowers, huh. and they were doing some, something with the WSL. They're, I think they're doing like a line of furniture with them too. Uh, and so I, so I think they found out, they didn't know who I was. They were reaching out, you know, their PR person was reaching out to surf media, uh, found beach grit oh here's you know this is big surf media let's reach out here and then went to the wsl afterwards or went to someone and it got fully nixed oops anyway so so i was clearly also not invited to the wsl press junket on the pier but the new york times was a new york times uh journalist asked him but you know what he thought of the new format clearly this is a whole time to you know spruik this thing 
and Gabriel Rodriguez said, I think it's unfair. I don't like it. Uh, but what do I know about business? Or something along those lines. Uh, biting Elo's manicured hand right there. Clean vans, just pouring dirt all over him. The New York Times journalist described Eric Logan as wearing clean vans, which is, that's it from here on out. It's Eric Clean Vans Logan. Um, I love the biting the hand that feeds you. Like the we've talked about surf personalities have vacated the space maybe with Chris Ward, you know, or no, actually Bobby Martinez was probably the last true um, rebel in that way. And Jeremy Flores has moments where he says what's on his mind, but he would never actually completely disparage the WSL. He always pads it a little bit. Uh, I love that Gabriel Medina is becoming the guy who has the personality and saying what's on his mind. Well, the best thing is Gabriel's platform, Gabriel's brand is way bigger than the WSL's brand. The, the WSL needs Medina a lot more than Medina needs the WSL. He has however many 9 million Instagram followers to the WSL's whatever million. He's got, you know, money. He's got everything he needs. He doesn't need the WSL. They need him. And so he can go out totally free and say what he wants. They're not going to dock him or they can do nothing. He is untouchable as far as they're concerned. I know, and I thought that headline was almost uh, incorrect. He's biting the hand that feeds him. It's like that hand really doesn't feed him that much. No. You know, they give him an opportunity to win a world title, but but like you said, it's very reciprocal. Yeah, I mean, I think more, they need him. So they, yeah, it should have been WS. I mean, I don't know why you'd even ask Medina to show up to something like that, knowing if you're them. Like, why not just have a couple represent, like reading Stephanie's, glowing you know commentary on the in the new york times on the new format and all that like clearly she's love staff but she's a company woman right she is not going to go say the truth she is going to go out there and whatever they she's going to say you know whatever they need whatever they need to have her say she's going to say uh and so why not just have staff and the people who are going to play along staff and connor and whatever I wonder if, um, like we talk about maybe Joe Turpel in the booth and Chris Cote are being like positive all the time and not being critical. And then we realize, well, that's sincerely who they are. And so that's why they're playing that role in the booth is they're sincerely positive and they're seeing the good and they're optimistic and that's all fine and dandy. I wonder if that also applies to Connor Coffin and Stephanie Gilmore, where they're yeah. just, they don't, they don't even see the criticism. They no, just yeah. think, they just think, hey, I'm grateful for this opportunity to surf on tour. Wherever they're sending us, that's where I'm happy to go. And so I'm only going to speak glowingly. Because for a lot, of, a long time, I thought that it was that they're holding back. They're intentionally not, they're trying not to be critical because they want to be polite to their employer. And I'm, I'm thinking now that it isn't so much that. I'm thinking that there are people who are just they're not, not particularly they, critical. Sure. They don't think negatively. Yeah, they're happy to do it happy to do because we get company. feedback i'll get feedback from listeners who are like you know you guys complain for no purpose and it's or whatever they'll complain about us criticizing the wsl and my response to that is it's not just we take what they feed us or we have nothing to eat at all it's there's an alternative way to do what they're doing that would actually be more entertaining and bring them more viewership and bring them more sponsor dollars and bring them more of everything. 
So they're doing a mediocre job at this. They could just do a better job by running in waves of consequence or whatever it is, the things that we've actually complained about. But it's okay to be critical is my point. Like Gabriel Medina saying what he said was not some outlandish criticism. It was a very, very justifiable criticism. And it wasn't even attacking. It was just Hey, I've garnered, yeah, I've garnered 12,000 or whatever it was, maybe 20,000 more points. I think it was 16,000. 16, okay. 16 more thousand more points over number two. They could win this event and get 10,000 points and they would still be in second. So it's stupid that I would lose. That's a a justifiable complaint. Completely. And I mean, again, WSL back patting itself, all that, deservedly so, phenomenal day, et cetera, et cetera. One tweaked ankle. Gabriel could have gone up for one of those airs come down, tweaked it, been unable to surf. Philippe Toledo would have been the champion, the least deserving champion that professional surfing ever did have. A guy who, I mean, and especially through, if Philippe would have blown up at Trestles, then I would have said, okay, got demolished by Gabe, almost lost to Connor, and beat a very, very shaky Elo. That was it. And then he would have been our champion. Yeah. Disaster. Well- Congrats to the WSL for pulling off this kind of uh, questionably conceived concept. They nailed it. We eat crow. They deserved it. It was a phenomenal day of surfing. I was thoroughly entertained, as were you. Loved it. So, yeah, congrats on that. I had it on all day, uh, which I haven't had a surf contest on all day since, I mean, pipe, usually I'll let it run in the background, but I'll swing out for hours at a time when people are coming up that I don't care about but I had it on all day and was engaged all day. So yeah, bravo WSL. I have more to say on that, but before we do, and before we go to Barrel or Not, let's go to a commercial break real quick, Chess. Let's do it. When you're hiring for a small business, you wanna find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. All right, we are back from commercial. Great. Um, I want to ask you two things, whether or not you've watched the Val documentary yet, and also about the new cocaine cowboy. I have not watched the Val yet. I need to. I've been, yeah, there's been a backlog of things to catch up on at home. So no, not yet on the Val, but it's still coming. And are you talking about Elo's new co- cocaine cowboy look? That is precisely what I'm talking about. Wow. A butterfly from the Oprah's cocoon is what we saw on finals day. He looked so Miami cocaine that I had to do like 10 double takes. So now is this a compliment or are you insulting it? Uh, compliment? Like that. I think he looks, he looks fantastic. He looks, he looked great. He looked way better. He looked so smooth. He looked like, yeah, straight out of a 1980s sitcom. I mean, Miami Vice style about the cocaine trade. He looked would, so would sharp a co- as a tack. Would a cocaine cowboy be wearing uh, fresh to death vans? I think today they would be. Once they saw <laughs> Eric Logan pull it off with such a plum, then they would. So Eric Logan looked like... Um, uh yeah well cocaine cowboy but like a salt and pepper slight five o'clock shadow hips hip shades fit svelte like like a comparison to a i don't know it looked like a lothario like an italian or spanish lothario who like just got off his boat his speedboat that he parked you know at the restaurant i don't want to hear that eric logan is having an affair in like in multiple months because that's the look i mean it looked like somebody who has have is having an affair or breaking up with the wife and on the market and just looking like a million bucks he's looking good there was no reason for him to put that much time into his physical appearance unless damn it eric don't be having an affair go back to your wife well you first of all he always puts that much time into his appearance he it's just usually flashy pink you know sports coats and it, that sort of thing his his appearance yeah, has changed it, his aesthetic has changed completely it's much more casual now he's replaced the loafers with the vans you when know? you see though when you see someone change aesthetic radically i'm gonna say usually there's a woman behind that 
there was maybe, maybe his wife it. maybe no but maybe his mm-hmm. wife is like hey those pink blazers were done with those let's no, tone it down wife, a bit his wife thought liked that that's how he won his wife she liked that look i hate to say that eric logan is having an affair here on the podcast <laughs> but i'm gonna have to think that eric logan is having an affair i do not think that i think younger eric woman logan, i think look eric for a long time he's been a runner i think he's been running five miles a day he's looking fit he's feeling fit and uh for whatever reason the radical change of the wsl they're going to do a radical new format and he's reborn in that younger woman eric your gaudy stuff is is not what i like i want you to look sort of like the guys at work that i work with so they wear these white polos and slacks and they wear vans eric let's go shopping younger woman so sad i didn't i didn't want the, this season to end this way it makes me well, it makes me sad frankly well it hasn't um, <laughs> and it's a good look it's a good look no matter what eric's rocking it um okay barrel or nah watching a surf comp during super important life events now this is a very specific barrel or nah but i find it relates to, I've been watching the comp when I'm driving, I've been watching the comp while I'm at work at times, but I found myself in a situation on finals day. We had our birthing coach scheduled to arrive. And this is, sorry, somebody just started gardening um, or running a lawnmower. So it was a nightmare. So used to be that you you go to like birthing classes at a hospital now because of covid you have to schedule it for in home so we had our birthing coach scheduled to come this week and it was happened to be on finals day i was hoping they'd run the event on monday no big deal but they ended up running the event on tuesday and i'm like can we reschedule this no we cannot reschedule it david shut up <laughs> surfing is not that important you don't need to watch this event so for 3 hours we have this woman holding a fake pelvis trying to jam a fake baby's head through it with a diagram showing us how this all works. And I've that secretly multiple got, heats. Yeah, I've secretly got my phone propped up next to me on the couch, shielding it so that Lauren knew exactly what I was doing. But the, I didn't want the birthing coach to be like, who is this absentee father? He, he's not going to be there in the child's life. He can't even be here for this three hour interview. Like, how important does this guy think that he is? Is he a CEO running a company? No, no, no. He's just a surf junkie who's got an addiction that he's trying to fix right now. So was I right? Was I wrong? Barrel or not? Barrel, huge barrel. And I feel that the category of people who watch professional surf contests during important events, that's like the chorest of the core, core, core surf fan. Like those, excuse me, those are the people that I want to get together with and, you know, share a drink because I bet how many of those, like on finals day, we had the uh, Facebook st- uh, stream up on Beach Grid. And I think it would climb into like kind of the fives, sixes, sometimes thousand watching. And I'm sure there was who knows how many more. Let's be super charitable and say, I want to say that 50,000 people were watching finals day. I have no clue. I have no clue either. Let's just say, let's say 50,000 people watching. Uh, I bet of those a hundred around the world, 200 are people who watch surfing during important events, 300. How many do you think? 500? I think I was the only one 
in a birthing coach seminar. For sure. But there was for sure somebody else who you were. Yeah. There was somebody else somewhere around the world doing in somewhere important that they needed to be fully engaged and were watching surfing. And so you and that guy are bros, right? You are Eskimo buddies in the, in the watching surfing when you're supposed to be doing something. He was, he was in an actual labor with his wife. (laughs) And thankfully his job was to push from behind her shoulder. So she couldn't see that his phone was actually in between her shoulder and him. Yeah. Huge, huge barrel. I thought so too. And let's be honest. A lot of what that birthing coach was saying was kind of common sense. I could look it up on YouTube if I need to. What what I can't live in is the live stream. I can't re re kind of create the live stream. Nope. So what my, my, um, thankfully she got there and she goes, Oh, I have one booklet, um, for you guys to take notes on. And I was like, oh, Lauren, you take that. I'm going to make notes on my phone. Oh, yeah. So I oh, have yeah. an excuse to have my phone in my hand and I'm pretending to type into it, but I'm really just hitting the refresh, like the live stream refresh. What, what heats were they? Um, I watched the first women's event, the first women's heat and the first men's heat. And then it was like the next sequence of two through okay. three or four. Okay. Fantastic. Good job. So I got, Robert. I got to watch all the finals, um, but I missed Idolo and Felipe in live time. Yeah. That was a big one. Didn't miss much though. Well, but yeah, good. within, within a three to five minute window, I could click my phone open and refresh it real quick and just see at least the scores. Even if I couldn't see a wave being surfed, I'd see the scores. And I was like, Oh my God, Idolo's yeah. down, but he's yeah. got, he's got seven minutes left. Okay. I'll look back in five minutes and you know, see what happens. So much fun. It was stressful. It was stressful. Yeah. And then as that meeting's winding down, I'm just like, okay, uh, can I get you anything else? You need to use the restroom before you go. Like yeah. trying to usher her out as quickly as possible. Great meeting you. Yeah. Good job. Good job. I have a feeling she thinks I'm an all going to be an awful father though. That's okay. Let her think that. I think so too. Uh, barrel or not nah, talking to your neighbors. Oh, solid one. Okay. So growing up, my folks, and I don't know why they did this. I think my dad in particular disliked talking to the neighbors so much that would purposefully make enemies out of the neighbors, like do things to aggravate and annoy the neighbors. And so growing up, I don't think I, I mean, I guess there was an old lady who lived next to us and we were cool with her, but generally this really feels like, and I don't know again that they would consider it this way, but uh, I remember they moved I wasn't living with them at the time, but they lived in Paso Robles and had such beef with the neighbors that the kid would throw uh, nails into their pool, like things like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so like real war, real neighborhood war. Uh, Then I've in my life have been both friends and not with neighbors, like screaming over the fence. I'm going to say no barrel on friends with neighbors. I'm going to say the enemy life is a better life. So I think there's middle ground there, right? Like you don't have to be enemies or having dinner parties together, but the conundrum for me is in the middle. It's when I'm leaving and I see a neighbor's leaving at the same time, my impulse is to wait five minutes until they're gone because I don't want to have that middle of the road interaction where if I could just give them a wave, I'm perfectly happy with that. But sometimes they want to talk and they're just like, oh, hey, how are you? And it's all small, yep. superficial talk. That's the worst talk in the world. 
you know? Across the street, my across the street neighbors here in Cardiff, I've been here 11 years now, have not said one word to them for 11 years, 11 word, 11 years, not one word, not one word to the husband or the wife or their two kids. I'm okay with that. Zero. Yeah, it's great. I like, I park in front of their house. They don't say, Hey, move your car. Nothing. Not one word. Zero. It's great. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. I almost prefer that to the casual wave because I think there's an implicit, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I think there's an implicit understanding that I see you guys, I'm protecting you. If there's somebody breaking in, I'm aware of those things. I'm surveying everything, but we don't need to go through the fake rigmarole, superficial conversation every time we see one another. No. Because ultimately, if you add up those minutes over the course of 11 years, you've wasted three hours of your life. So let's not Wait. waste that. But we're on the same team here. We just don't need to do this superficial nonsense. And as you, once you become a father, uh, I'm sure you're going to take a lot of walks around your neighborhood. I'm all totally down with friends in the neighborhood, right? Like there is, yeah. I have friends in my neighborhood. Most of them, I think, were made when I walked Temi around when she was, you know, I'd always walk her to sleep. Uh, and so, you know, those are, and I love walking by their house to this day and chatting with them. Uh, but yeah, if there's no proximity, does not necessitate friendliness. Agreed. The other risk that you really run into is if you go full friends, let's say you're now doing dinner parties together, all that sort of stuff. What if you guys have a difference of opinion or a falling out? Political falling out. Totally. Totally. Now it's cold and awkward. Now you have an actual neighbor, a physical house. Nobody, we don't want to move because of this political falling out, but I'm forced to see these people all the time now. Bad news. It's like know. dating a it's like dating a coworker that you break up with and then you're you're stuck seeing that person, you know? Your best case scenario for the listener, just make enemies with all three houses or four houses around you directly. Like I scream at my backyard neighbor, like re- like cuss words. I curse because, him. Because what? Uh he like I don't know, he's like a hobbyist or something. He's I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he has a home business back there that's illegal because he would he like nonstop all day running an electric saw. And so oh, okay. I would curse him and he wouldn't stop. I would curse him. And then I marched over there one day, realized he had one leg, <laughs> uh, but kept cursing him uh, really like in his face cursing. And I, I can't remember what I said. Like I asked to go back and see what is, what is so important that you have to electric saw it all day. And he wouldn't let me back there. And then I said, you're doing something sketchy back there. You are, I, I'm on to you now, buddy. Uh, and then he kind of stopped doing it. So I think being on to his sketchy sawing was something. Is the electric saw related to his lack of a leg? Maybe. Huh. Could have could have cut his leg off and he was just cutting into little pieces every day. Um, I'm glad that you didn't stop the barrage once you saw that he had one leg. Because that now, would then that would then be um prejudice. Yeah, that would be I would, yeah, prejudice. I wasn't prejudiced. I'll let them have it even more. <laughs> um, all right, good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Talking to your neighbors, no barrel. No barrel. barrel. Yeah. No barrel. Keep that conversation yourself. Um, final, barrel or not, the open-handed slap. So you, it's, it's an open-handed almost punch. So you've been the recipient of this from Ashton Goggins. 
We have video to show it. I'll post it on today's episode again. Right. Uh, but this is in relation to the recent German surfboard thieves in Portugal who got caught stealing boards from three different retailers. And the local went up and gave them a big open hand slap across the face as opposed to a punch. I've written about this in the best-selling book, Welcome to Paradise, Now Go to Hell. I learned from Edward Rothman himself that the slap is the ultimate move because it's so demeaning. You actually demean the person that you are slapping by slapping them. So not only are you causing them physical pain, uh, you are demeaning them. They don't even deserve a punch. They're like, just, you're a little kid who gets a slap. Yeah. So barrel, big barrel. Okay. I Would you rather have seen those surfboard thieves get punched? Nope. Because I know Eddie and I know that not only did they feel pain, they got demeaned. They got slapped like little sissies. I feel like there's a, um, a place for the open-handed slap, but there's also a place for the punch. So what Eddie is saying is relevant because you're going to demean this person and threaten them essentially to fight back, at which point you'll beat their ass. But so it's kind of like, boom, I dare you to do something. And that person is forced to basically cower and accept the, the demeaning. But in this particular case with these surf, surfboard thefts, they deserve to have a broken jaw and to be unconscious and have to wake up and reckon with that punishment, you know? It's true, but now video of their slapping is across the internet. Yeah. I wanted Barrel. to see more. I wanted to see yeah. more. After that slap, the guy falls back and they go off camera and it's like the cameraman knew, here comes a legitimate beating and I don't want to have it on film because we'll be held liable for that. Yeah. But like a slap. All right, good. Slapping, open-ended slap is barrel, I suppose. Barrel. All right, Chaz, I think we owe a thank you to Clifton James for his excellent submission. Oh my goodness. All right, all right, all right. Still my favorite world champion of all time. Even Clifton, after this, you want. Clifton James McConaughey. Clifton James, all right, all right. You put it in the oven, bake it, 425, take it out when it's nice and crispy. Mm, that's an idea. Uh, that's a low country surf format yeah. recipe. Um, yep. Are we ever going to end up back at album surfboards again? Yes. Hopefully, hopefully next week. Okay. Yeah. All excited right. to go well, back there. Shout out to album. Shout out to our longtime sponsor now, athleticgreens.com slash surf. Even though we didn't give them love today, give them a quick little shout out. Love them. Love them every All day. Right. All right, Chaz, enjoy homeschooling for the rest of the day, and until next week. Get barrel. Anyway, side note, uh, love you and Chaz these days, but I used to play a game with myself back in like the mid-2000s where I'd be reading Surfing Magazine, and if an article made me irate, I knew it was from Chaz Smith, and I would check the, the byline at the very end. And 10 out of 10 times, if I was mad by the end of the article, it was written by Chaz Smith. That was when I was, uh, I don't know. I took surfing a little bit more seriously back then. Now I love you guys. Anyway, get barrel. <laughs>